Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell, and I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs, and I've been in business since 1994. Let me start by thanking our sponsors, Jonathan and Lynn Gilden of the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 275 star reviews on Zillow, and they are consummate professionals. We like to always hand out their cards to people, and we only do that when we believe in people. All right, I will put all of their information in the show notes. Today, we have a question, and I love when I get questions. And this one comes from Michelle, who is a hairdresser in New Smyrna Beach. And uh, I must say she is the best. And I know this because I go to her. And so if she can do something with my straight hair to make me not look so um, bad, (laughs) being funny here, but you know what I mean, then she's pretty darn good. All right. So her question was, Is there a difference between men and women in regards to strength training and do they or should they train differently? All right. So that is a very, very good question. So let me first tackle the first part. The first part of her question was, is there a difference? Well, there is. So here are the physiological differences between men and women. Men are always going to be 10% leaner in general, all right? And before you get your underpants and a wad out there, ladies and gentlemen, yes, there are women who are leaner than men and, of course, vice versa. That's not what this means. It means that, generally speaking, men are 10% leaner than women, So the really super lean ripped for a male body fat percentage is 5%. I'm talking that's like close to essential fat, which is 3.3% body fat for a man. And for a woman, it is 15%, which is 10% higher. Essential fat for women is between 9 and 11%. Okay. So right off the bat, we're dealing with 3.3% essential fat for men and 9 to 11 essential fat, bare minimum for a woman. So that has some obvious reasons why breast tissue and women carry more subcutaneous body fat for childbearing and things of that nature. So that's the first physiological difference that I wanted to mention, not, not in any order of importance. That's just one of them. Does that affect strength training, though? The answer is no, or it should not. Another difference, and it's highly related, or number one, 100% correlated to this reason of essential fat and muscle mass, is that women are 50% less strong in the upper body than men and 30% less strong in the lower body, all right? So we could say they're 50% as strong as men in the upper body and 70% as strong as men in the lower body. So this is simply due to the musculature nature, which has everything to do with 
the essential fat and the leanness quotient that I gave you earlier. When we have less body fat, we have more muscle. So because women have slightly more, 10% more body fat percentages, they're going to have 10% less muscle and hypertrophy or muscle mass enlargement is the number one driver of strength. So because of that, women are going to be slightly less strong in the upper body and lower body. Does that mean they should train differently per se? The answer is no, but I'm going to go into more detail in that when I finish the differences. Another difference is testosterone levels. So the male genetic hormone of anabolic growth is testosterone. That is also present in women, but just not to the near the greater greatest extent that it is with men. So there is less testosterone flowing through a woman's body than there is a man's body. And yes, that is a big factor. Testosterone is one of the greatest drivers of strength and hypertrophy, which is why so many people, and I would add foolishly, try to take steroids to up that, which again, I say foolishly because there are many side effects, but they do that because it definitely does increase strength and definitely does increase muscle mass. Now, women have less, they still have some, but they have far less. All right. So should they train differently? No, but again, I'm going to go into more detail on that. So the physical differences or the physiological differences, again, is the amount of leanness, the amount of strength, and the amount of growth anabolic testosterone. That is definitely different, those three things. Now, let me give you some psychological profiles that I believe are different between men and women. These aren't as easy to justify, as easy to calculate. And these are mostly coming from antidotal evidence and coming from experience, but I'm going to give them to you anyway because it's my podcast and Michelle asked me the question and I can answer it as I believe. All right. So I believe that women have a far higher threshold for pain. That's been my experience that they can tolerate burn, discomfort, um, being out of breath, anything that makes them uncomfortable, they tend to tolerate it better. Again, these are generalizations. I have evidence, obviously, where that's not true and whatever, and I'm sure you do as well. But overall, I would say that women have a greater threshold for pain. That's just not my opinion, by the way. There's been many psychologists and other health experts that have stated the same thing and probably genetically due to having to go through childbirth. I would imagine that that's um, the reason why um, I experienced it, um, well, not firsthand, right? But secondhand, as um, my ex-wife was delivering our child, and I know she went through a tremendous amount of pain, and she was a trooper, she did not have an epidural, and uh, I was there. And man, what a battler. And I do not think I could have done that. It was hard enough just to be there. So that's probably the reason why women have a greater threshold for pain. The second psychological characteristic that I will get into 
with this is ego. Now again, it's very hard to substantiate and there's a lot of opinion here, but I believe that women have less ego than men. And for those that don't know this, ego is not confidence. So ego is not a positive thing. Ego is actually the opposite of confidence. So when somebody has a big ego, it means that they feel like they have a lot to prove and therefore are constantly feeling slighted. All right. So ego is not a good thing. Ego is not confidence. So it's my opinion in the training world here that women tend to have less ego, meaning that they are simply trying to do the best they can and they don't give you a lot of excuses and things like that to kind of protect their own ego. Now they do compare. They do compare. I do notice that, but that is slightly different than ego. All right. Does that affect training? I think that does affect training as does the pain threshold because with the pain threshold, they can work through thresholds easier and therefore see greater results. And with the ego, when they're always trying to improve themselves and they uh, aren't always trying to basically protect their ego and tell you what they already know and all this kind of thing. They're allowing themselves to be trained and they're more moldable. So I do think that affects the training. All right. So those are the big differences. I would say as far as goals go, everybody's pretty similar with that. Um, I heard a trainer friend of mine years ago say to me, he said, Rob, everybody wants to feel better and look better. Find me people that will argue that. And uh, I believe he's right. So I think both males and females want to look better and they want to feel better. I think when people are saying they don't want to look better, they're not being completely honest with themselves. Um, you know, obviously we can go to too great a lengths to try to do that and it becomes unhealthy, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about being the best you can be. And I do believe that both males and females want to look better. And I do believe everybody wants to feel better. Um, when it comes to other goals, I would say that women tend to be a little more into the aesthetics um, in certain areas and men tend to be a little more into strength, like being able to do different strength feats. Although, um, you know, this isn't completely 100% one way and 100% the other, but that tends to be how we trend it just a little bit. But again, I think overall, I would say that the goals are pretty similar. If we brought in uh, equal amount of men, equal amount of women, the goals would probably be similar in that both want to lose some body fat, both want to lose some um, inches, both want to gain some muscle, both want to gain some strength, both want to feel better, both want to increase function. So I think they're, they're pretty similar with that. Athletic performances wise, you know, I would say it's pretty similar as well. I would say 25 years ago it would have been more males wanting to do better in athletics, you know, whether it just be local athletics like golf tournaments or tennis or uh, basketball leagues or triathlons or running. But now I would say if anything, there's more competitive drive 
in female towards what we call the adult lifetime sports, especially triathlon, running, and those kind of things. It's been my experience that women will reach out for help in that far more than men will. Um, they're far more likely to hire a coach to help them with sports than men are. And that probably gets back to my ego example of, you know, the old, well, I know better and I'm not going to have somebody help me with this type of thing, which is fine. But, you know, if you want to get better, then it makes sense to go to a source to help you get better if they can help you get better. All right. So I think overall, the goals are pretty similar. Now, second part of Michelle's question. Should they train differently? I mean, ultimately, the answer is no, not between men and women. So, you know, one of the biggest myths in all of strength training is that light repetitions, light loads for high repetitions lead to toning and heavier loads with lower repetitions lead to say bulk. That was like what I grew up in in the 80s hearing and even then it didn't make sense. And even then there were exercise physiologists out there talking about that being complete nonsense. But I think that's still folklore in a gym. It's completely not true. All right. So here's what we know. You can hypertrophy, which is gain muscle, with as little as 30% of your 1RM. That is pretty darn light. All right. That is, I've done the math and I just spoke about this in another podcast. That's around 28 repetitions. All right. Done the failure. So we can hypertrophy with very light loads. All right. So right there, that discounts the whole light loads leading to tone and heavy loads leading to bulk. That's not true whatsoever. You know, really, we can take any load, and, and if we approach muscular failure, we're going to hypertrophy, all right? Whether we're a man, whether we're a woman, we're going to hypertrophy if we get close to muscular failure or right at muscular failure. That means where you can't do another repetition. So then you might say, well, I don't necessarily want that. Okay, that's a choice, but I think that is also a myth that we're going to look big and bulky. If we do that, in reality, we're just going to gain maybe a little bit of muscle mass because the biggest thing that really comes up here is genetics versus man versus woman. So there are four characteristics to genetics that determine how big you're going to get. And that is the level of testosterone. So that's more dominant in a male, as already said, fast twitch versus slow twitch muscle fibers. That's a genetic thing. The more fast twitch you have, the more likely you're going to grow bigger muscles. The size of your muscle bellies, the longer the muscle bellies and the shorter the tendons, which is genetic, determine how big you are going to get. And your body type, your somatotype, whether you're an ectomorph, a mesomorph, or an endomorph, mesomorphs will gain muscle. The other two really won't. So that determines that versus man versus woman and versus the type of loads you use in strength training. So when women say, well, I'm going to train differently than my boyfriend or my husband, and I'm going to use really light loads, I'm going to tone up. Well, that's nonsense. Okay. So tone stands for a partially contracted muscle. That's what tone really means. All right. What they really mean when they say they want to tone up is they want to look lean. They want to have muscle definition. Okay, that's fine. 
That's a product of body composition. That has nothing to do with your style of weight training. All right. A guy could be totally genetic geared towards being huge and he could do five times five reps every time he trains and all that kind of stuff. And if he keeps his weight down and his diet good and he does his cardio, he's going to look really toned. It has nothing to do with his style of repetitions and load in the gym. All right. So no, in that regard, women shouldn't train any different than men. It comes down to really men and women should both be training for hypertrophy and strength so they can be as healthy and fit as they can be. And the reps aren't going to be any different for a man or a woman in regards to that. The only area I would say that possibly they should train a little bit differently, but it's it's only possibly because women do tend to have more kyphosis than men do. Men tend to have more lordosis. And these are two spinal conditions that are very treatable. Kyphosis means that the shoulders roll forward and your neck is a little bit in front of your spine. So that is kyphosis. They tend to have a little bit more of that probably due to the common jobs that they take. And it's also due to the fact that when they tend to gain weight, it tends to be more, and this is genetic due to where fat is distributed, but it tends to be more in the hips and thighs versus the stomach, which is actually a good healthy thing. All right. Now, men tend to have less kyphosis but more lordosis. And lordosis means that basically their hips are kind of forward and they're doing that because they're holding oftentimes a big beer belly. And that leads to a lordotic spine. You will also notice that in pregnant women, but once the baby is delivered, the lordosis goes away because it was a temporary situation. So Both genders can get kyphosis and lordosis, and we see it all the time. But women do tend to have more kyphosis, which is, you know, that humpback look. Um, If that gives you a better descriptor than I gave you a few seconds ago, and lordosis tends to be, think of a pregnant woman walking down a hallway or a very obese man with a beer belly walking that is more lordotic. Both are treatable. So in regards to that, both genders should train towards what they're spinal alignment is and try to fix that. But other than that, there really shouldn't be much differences in how they're trained. Definitely none due to gender. There's really nothing about that. Now, goals might be a little bit different. And then if that's the case, then more power to them, right? Because I want everybody to work out. And if it gets a guy in the gym because he's obsessed with increasing his bench press or his squat or his deadlift, then more power to him. That's great. And then train more towards those specific movements. If a woman goes to the gym because she says, you know, I really want to target my booty and I want to target my legs and I want to target my arms specifically, but not much else, then then that's fine too. I mean, That's great. If it gets you in the gym working out, that's a good thing because, you know, you'll get there and you realize how good you feel and maybe you went there to target one area and you realize, you know, I'm just going to hit everything 
Or you may realize that it really doesn't change much anyway. In other words, once you're working out, you're really hitting all the muscle groups anyway, even if you're doing it by accident. So nope, not a huge difference in how we train. Um, one caveat to this though might be that, um, you know, something women go through a little bit worse than men as they start to approach menopause is drastic dips in hormones and changes in hormones which does change a woman's perspective on, you know, going to the gym. It gets very depressing. Weight gain does become a little bit more. Um, there are more mood fluctuations and, and that's a real thing, you know, being in this industry a long time, I've seen it. And, you know, the best thing we can do, and it's easier said than done. I totally have empathy on this is to continue to get to the gym and push through it. You know, the hormonal changes that happen in life are real. And one of the best things we can do to keep our endocrine system as young as possible and highly functioning as possible is to strength train and to strength train with intensity. We want to stimulate that endocrine system, which means that when we're approaching a workout set and we're getting close to failure, we're producing lactate and we're producing more HGH and, and hormones that actually help. And the more intense we work, the more that we're intensely stimulating our endocrine system. So I do believe that's a very important thing to do. It could be hard because, you know, when somebody's going through menopause or approaching it, there does seem to be some depression and low mood and you may not feel like doing anything. But that's where I believe you reach out, you talk to your trainers, you know, you, you put it all on the line and you, you speak openly about it and allow the trainer to encourage you and, and help you through that. So that is a big change between men and women or a big difference, I should say. And my advice on that is to continue to power on as much as hard as I know that is. And it's far easier said than done, but I think it is so critical to do because I have seen many women come out on the other side and, uh, you know, feel so much better for it. All right. So speaking of keeping our body in a perfect alignment or the best alignment we can, I want to thank chiropractic physician, Dr. Doris Antos of Ormond Beach. She is a graduate of Palmer College here in Port Orange. She is also a true professional and she treats many, many, many different conditions. And she has a new associate so she's taking new patients. I will put all of her information in today's show notes. Until next time, be max fit and be max well.